Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black cow Boone is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent, and there was some significant scheduling news announced uh, on Tuesday night. John Calipari and Mark Few jointly announced during a telethon the Kentucky men's basketball program was holding to raise money to assist parts of the state that have been devastated by recent flooding. Uh, They announced that UK and Gonzaga are going to start a home-and-home series this upcoming season. They're going to play November 20th, 2022 in Spokane. Then Gonzaga is going to return the game, play at Rupp Arena in the 2023-24 season. Strong jaw, how good is a Kentucky-Gonzaga home-and-home series? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. This is exactly what college basketball, this is what makes college basketball so great. Uh, Two teams who, you know, are are probably going to be top five preseason teams. They're top five preseason right now on your, on your CBS sports top 25 and one. Um, The venues should be fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed kind of the video that, that Kentucky put out yesterday, kind of announcing the news, you know, John Calipari teasing it, you know, saying few, Wants to schedule a game, but that few is is dictating the terms. Um, and then Cal, it was almost like some tension when they were kind of talking about it, saying, you know, Cal saying like, you know, we're Kentucky, um, and and Mark Few is still kind of dictating the terms. Um, and Few kind of went back at him, saying like, hey, you know, we were fine. Cal was the one who said, hey, want to play, and I just kind of agreed to it. So. Uh, however it worked, however it went down, I'm very happy that it went down because a home and home between Gonzaga and Kentucky is going to be fantastic theater, especially next season. Uh, two really good teams. I mean, Drew Timmy versus Oscar Shibway is going to be a fantastic matchup. Very much looking forward to, uh, to this two game series. It's awesome. Um, it's two of the biggest brands in the sport. Like you said, two preseason top five teams. Um, I've got Gonzaga number one in the top 25 and one. I've got Kentucky number four, both picked to win their leagues. Uh, so two projected conference champions, two of the biggest, like I said, brands in the sport, um, a current hall of fame coach and a future undeniable hall of fame coach and two first team preseason, all Americans on the court 
um, in some cases, I'm certain, guarding each other. Um, it is the um, last season's preseason National Player of the Year, Drew Timmy, and last season's actual Player of the Year, Oscar Shibway. So it is just awesome, awesome, awesome. But I will say, and I watched the video, and it was, it was, it was fun, but nobody dictates terms to John Calipari about no. anything. And I think that's why John was uh, half laughing, smiling while saying it, because he knows and he knows Mark knows and he knows anybody that knows the relationship between those two knows that um, John is going to do this if he's going to do it, um, probably on his terms. And and that leads me to a, a point that I haven't seen anybody else make, but it is something that um, I noticed while watching the video. Um, it's John Calipari and Mark Few sort of going back and forth talking about the, the launch of the series. And I couldn't help but notice the way they discussed it. Mark Few said specifically that he's going to bring the Zags to Rupp Arena. Right. John Calipari never said specifically that he's bringing the Wildcats to the McCarthy Athletic Center, also known as uh, the Kennel. He merely said UK will play in Spokane. Now, if you don't know anything about the history between these two coaches, you probably didn't notice that. Uh, but I did because John Calipari and Mark Few, they have done home and home series before. And Cal has always refused to take his team to the kennel. Now, let me run <laughs> you through some of the history. Um, as you likely know, uh, before John Calipari was the coach at Kentucky, he was the coach at Memphis. And after Louisville, Marquette, Cincinnati, and most of the other good programs left Conference USA, his Tigers were dominating that league, same way Gonzaga was dominating the West Coast Conference. And so with that as the backdrop, John Calipari and Mark Few uh, decided to, to play each other, to test each other. Um, it was a great series. Memphis and Gonzaga ended up playing four times uh, before Cal left for Kentucky. Uh, twice in Memphis, twice in Spokane. But both games in Spokane were played off campus at the downtown Spokane Arena, which is not Gonzaga's home arena. Now, obviously, Mark Few uh, wanted those games back then at the kennel. But John would not play there. And his logic was hilarious. Um, <laughs> as I remember, John argued that Memphis shouldn't have to play on Gonzaga's campus because Gonzaga didn't have to play on Memphis's campus. <laughs> Never mind that Memphis does not have an on-campus arena. Memphis's home arena is FedEx Forum in downtown Memphis. Gonzaga's home arena is the kennel on campus at Gonzaga. Logically, obviously, if Gonzaga didn't have to play on Memphis's campus, um, it, 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 logically, um, if Gonzaga is going to play in Memphis's home arena, Memphis should play in Gonzaga's home arena. That's the way these right. things tend to work. Um, but Cal argued if Gonzaga didn't have to play on Memphis's campus, Memphis shouldn't have to play on Gonzaga's campus. And after a while, Mark just got tired of arguing. He said, whatever, fine, we'll play in downtown Spokane. But I, I do sincerely hope that that's, that's not the way things go down this time. Can, can, Kentucky Gonzaga would be awesome anywhere. You know, Rupp Arena, Spokane Arena, in South Dakota, Las Vegas, Madison Square Garden, doesn't matter. But Kentucky Gonzaga is best, you know, in real home arenas. Mm -hmm. Rupp Arena, 
and the kennel, not in downtown Spokane. The kennel provides one of the greatest atmospheres in college basketball. And hopefully John recognizes this and this time actually takes his team to Gonzaga's campus. My understanding is at this moment, um, that is still undetermined. They are going to play in Spokane on November 20th, later this year. But where that game will be played is still a, a point of contention between Gonzaga and Kentucky, I'm told. Unbelievable. Uh, what a catch by you, uh, because I just assumed, hey, Spokane, Rupp Arena, you know, maybe they didn't specifically name the kennel, but you know, kind of the understanding, the implication was that it's a home and home. Uh, it's a true home and home. Um, this would be so soft on on Cal if if he decided not to play at the kennel. I, I said at the top of this episode that the reason college basketball is so great is because the venues are great. Uh, you get true home and homes like the kennel is an amazing atmosphere. Rupp Arena, when when there are good games, is is an amazing atmosphere. You can have good basketball games in college basketball. Um, you know, at the Maui Invitational, places that you know don't have like home fan representation uh the bahamas has has presented some good games champions classic um but having these big brands play each other on their home courts just hits a little bit different so yeah i would agree with you i i definitely think kentucky needs to go play at the kennel um we'll see if uh if you can dictate those terms it it was it was so funny to listen to to calipari talk about few dictating terms when like literally in the video few is like sitting on a beach talking about how he was surfing and then he has a pickleball match later and he's going to play uh like have some barbecue like clearly cal is like dictating all the terms he's the alpha and few's just kind of along for the ride so um we'll see i i hope a uh, few kind of sticks his neck out and says hey we need to play this at home because i think it would be a really fantastic uh game next season i love that mark was uh, you know, with the water yeah. and and the beautiful scene in the background, like that's a perfect snapshot of 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 Mark Few. Like, um, I, I've talked about for years now. I don't know anybody with better life balance than than Mark Few at, at the highest levels of college basketball. Like every coach says, you know, they do their best to strike a um a work home balance. Um, but they're not all great at it. Just like, you know, I, 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 if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm not the best at it. Um, but Mark is, is terrific at it. He figured it out a long time ago. Just a quick story on that. Long, long time ago, um, he was considered a legitimate candidate to be the next head coach at Oregon. One of his best friends was, you know, running the search. And there's obviously a lot of money involved. And I had found out that, he had actually talked to Oregon in a not enough an official capacity like you know he didn't go to campus and sit down with uh, you know a, a four athletic department members and the president but he had had a serious conversation with Oregon about maybe becoming Oregon's next coach and so i reported that you know sources told cbs sports that mark few has met with Oregon something along those lines and I had and have always had a, 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 a great relationship with Mark. And I wrote that story. We published it. You know, it was in the morning and it got a lot of attention. Like it was all over everywhere. And, you know, is Mark Few really going to leave Gonzaga for Oregon? And throughout that day, 
I keep trying to get in touch with Mark. I'm texting nothing back. I'm calling straight to voicemail. And that's just not like him at all. It, 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 it you know, like I, I, my, I don't know if it's insecurities. I don't know if that's the right word, but like something kicked in where I was like, ah, he's pissed. He, you mm. know, he, he, he I, I probably created this firestorm for him that he didn't want me to create, or even if he didn't mind me writing the story, he didn't recognize it would turn into what it would turn into. And I, I might've complicated his life in some way by writing this. And now he's, he shut me out and he's, he's, he's mad. I convinced myself Mark Few's mad at me. This is there all day long. And I don't know, probably eight o'clock at night. Um, phone rings. It's Mark. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, hello. He's like, Hey GP, what's up? Just uh, saw that I missed your call. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? What's what? I said, dude, I've been trying to get in touch with you all day. Like he was like, what, why, what's going on? I said, well, I wrote this morning that you talked to Oregon and now it's like a, like it's on the sport ticker on ESPN. And it's like a, it's the biggest story in college basketball today. He's like, Oh, uh, really? I've been fishing all day. <laughs> he had no idea that this was even going on. Like that this had become a thing. He's just totally detached from it. Like I'm going fly fishing. You guys can be out there talking about me and what I'm going to do. Um, however you want. I'm, I'm fly fishing, enjoying my off season. And I couldn't help but think of that and a million other stories just like that. As I watched Mark last night, talking to Cal, um, you know, Cal, Cal is with his team, you know, right. at, a, at a basketball function and Mark's just, you know, enjoying in life. Um, those guys are friends. Um, and, but, but they, they approach things and they're, they're obviously two of the best I think this is a reasonable thing to say to the best who, who have ever coached college basketball, but they mm -hmm. take wildly different approaches to, to their jobs. And, you know, honestly, like that's one of the reasons Mark has, has stayed at Gonzaga and will forever stay there until he retires is because it provides him with the two most important things to, to him, I think, which is an ability to, to compete at the highest level of the sport and, uh, 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 the ability to, you know, enjoy things away from the job where as if you're the Kentucky head coach, it's, it's, it's just a different animal in a, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And he'll forever be Gonzaga's coach. I, I mean, that's, that's not going to change. He has it set very good there. Um, I, I would love to see him, coach somewhere else just to see what he would be able to do, but that's not going to happen. Um, the, the balance that he has at Gonzaga is really good. Um, he, he's, he's built obviously a, a program that is very sustainable there. Uh, but yeah, that the video that, that they showed yesterday, I was just, I, I watched it several times and, and thought it was funnier every time I watched it just because few is, I mean, just like, the most laid back coach that, that you can possibly imagine. And talking about, have you played pickleball, by the way, he, he seems to be like really into pickleball. Oh God. Like the first conversation I had with him, you know, post pandemic, like a uh, NCAA tournaments canceled. I don't mean post pandemic, like post of the launch of the pandemic. NCAA tournaments canceled. We're trying to figure out if we're going to be able to play a season, um, the next season, and obviously you're checking in with coaches and, 
you know, it, it, you, you talk basketball, sure, but you know, at, at that time, you know, our, our kids weren't in school and mm-hmm. and restaurants weren't open, and we were really like isolated in many ways from the world. And so you you ask some totally normal human questions like, "How are you doing? How's your family? Yeah. How are you keeping busy? Uh, what are you doing with the kids?" And it, that evolved very quickly into a pickleball conversation. Like he could not get. <laughs> He's like, he's like, do you have any tennis courts near you? I was like, yeah, like, you know, five minutes away. He's like, you got to go out there and, and here's what it is. And here's what it's about. Like, he is really genuinely um, into it. And, and uh, best I can tell, good at it. Uh, so I have not played pickleball, but I am familiar with it, broadly speaking. But my introduction to it literally came from Mark Fia. That's amazing. Uh, it's a pretty fun game. It's, it's kind of a mix of like, you know, ping pong and, and tennis. Um, I, someone in the chat here says, I think it's a prerequisite that you have to be over 50 to play pickleball. I think that's probably right. Um, it's, it's kind of an older person game. I played it a few times. It's really fun. Uh, my parents actually built a pickleball court in their backyard. So they're just like all over it. Um, I can, I can see like why there is so much intrigue. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I've reached a point where I have, enough things that take up my free time yeah. like i i don't think you can at least for me you know with three kids and a million jobs i can't be a pickleball uh, uh i can't be addicted to pickleball and golf you yeah know, i gotta and, do golf i play and, golf every time and, and watching baseball games and you know like i um like i see even people who i have friends who follow every sport very closely like they're mm-hmm. really into baseball and they're really into tennis and they're really into the WNBA and they're really into um, F1. Pr- yeah, F1. And they follow Premier League. And I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth for all of that. Like, yeah. I, I, I have to, at this point, I, I follow what I have to follow to do my jobs well or as well as I can do them, plus baseball. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't need to follow baseball to do any of my jobs well. Um, but I follow baseball because I love it. But, uh, you know, then you add golf and, you know, kids playing baseball and golf. I just don't have enough time that to, to, I can't take on another hobby. That's where I'm at. And yeah. so I'm, I'm sure pickleball is great. I know people love it, but I am totally focused right now on being a, a crappy golfer. I spend I spend <laughs> most of my free time on being a terrible, never improving, often declining golfer it's an amazing and frustrating sport all the same uh spent a lot of time on the golf course this summer it's been really fantastic but uh i think i think if you have to choose golf over pickleball is uh is a no-brainer so gonzaga kentucky uh the series um, will start this upcoming season exactly where Again, that remains undetermined, uh, but like we both said, and I think most people would agree, um, hopefully they do it at the kennel. Nothing against Spokane Arena. I'm sure it's a great place. I've never been been there, but you know, I, I, I've seen it from the highway. Uh, but college basketball is best, like you said, in, in real true home environments. For Gonzaga, that is the kennel. Hopefully, that's where John Calipari takes his Kentucky Wildcats, but we'll see. Meantime, there's been some interesting recruiting news over the past few days. We're going to spend a a few minutes on that next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So there has been some interesting recruiting news over the past few days. Let me run you through it real quickly. Kwame Evans, a five-star top 10 prospect, class of 2023, has committed to Oregon. So that's the latest five-star for Dana Altman. Chris Johnson, ranked 30th in the class of 2023, has committed to Kansas. And Yugana Kingsley Onyenso, who is ranked 39th in the class of 2022, he committed to Kentucky earlier this week. Um, he was, at the time of his commitment, the, I believe, highest-rated uncommitted player in the class of 2022. Strong Joe, any thoughts on any of that? Um, the Oregon one is is very interesting. I've got thoughts on all of them, but Kwame Evans uh, committing to Oregon is a pretty big deal. He's the number seven prospect in, in 2023. Uh Continues the trend of, of Dana Altman just reeling in top talent. Sixth five-star in the last seven cycles to commit to Oregon. That's according to uh, our friend David Cobb. Uh, five of the top six ranked signees in school history um, in basketball have come since 2017. They've recruited, you know, like Bull Bull, Troy Brown, Kalel Ware, who's going to be on campus next year, uh, Nafale Dante, Evans is number two on that list. Um, watched some tape of him. Reminds me a little bit of, of Darius Baisley, who, who now plays for the Thunder. Good range as a shooter. He's He's got a smooth left-handed stroke, can put the ball on the floor and create. Really interesting addition um, for Oregon and continues that trend of, of just recruiting elite talent. Now, some of these guys have not panned out well in the NBA. Bobo specifically, I think it comes to mind. Um, but this is a guy who I think can be a lottery pick in, in 2024. So to me, that was, that was kind of the highlight. Uganda Kingsley on, on So, um, going to Kentucky, I thought was pretty interesting as well. As, as you mentioned, kind of the top un, un or at the time was the top ranked uncommitted prospect in 2022, seven foot, 233 pounds. Um, Adam Finkelstein from two, four, seven, um, hyped him up as, as a really good defender. You know, he's, he's got a seven foot, seven foot five wingspan. Um, I'm not entirely sure he'll be able to help next season for Kentucky, but a really interesting developmental prospect who has some very intriguing defensive tools. And I think the chance for him to compete for at least some sort of role next season is, is probably there. Obviously Oscar Shibwe is, is that dude in the front court, but um, they're, they're going to need some help. I think uh, Kentucky will down low and, and I think there's a chance uh, he's, he's, he's very raw. Obviously. I, th- I think that's kind of one of the things that, that stuck, stuck out to me kind of researching him, but I think he has a chance to, to make an impact right away. It's a guy who, you know, reclassified from 2023 to 2022. So he's still young. He's still kind of growing, but a really interesting kind of off the radar edition for, uh, for Kentucky on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, listen, I hope for his sake that he's able to make an impact and flourish and become everything he wants to be as a prospect. I root for people. I want good things for everybody, but I will say, um, anytime I see a player ranked and keep in mind, it's a consensus top 50 guy. He's that's incredible. 
um, we throw around these five stars and four stars and three stars so often that I think we lose track of just how awesome you have to be, broadly speaking, to be a top 50 anything in in america in your high school class like if you're top 50 basketball prospect in the entire country in your high school class that's incredible just like if you have one of the top 50 uh act scores or you're one of the top 50 uh mathematicians like top 50 in the country at anything is great so i i hope we never lose sight of that but relatively speaking 39th in the country ain't that great for a kentucky basketball prospect it's it's at the lower end and I just skimmed through it, so f- forgive me if I miss somebody or if my memory fails me on some level, which sometimes it does. But I just skimmed through it this morning, and I said, I'm going to try to find a high school recruit who signed with Kentucky, ranked 39th or lower in his high school class, who actually became a meaningful player at Kentucky under John Calipari. I didn't find one. Tyler Hero was close because he was mm. ranked in the 30s. But it's like 35, not 39. And I know we're splitting hairs there. But I just skimming through it, I could not find anybody ranked 39th or lower in their high school class coming out of high school who signed with Kentucky and actually had a meaningful Kentucky basketball career. And um, I, I've said this before. Um, I've said it about Duke as well. Um, so this isn't just a Kentucky thing. I would say the same thing about Duke. If my son were ranked, if, if my son were a four-star prospect or worse, even if he had a Kentucky or Duke offer, I wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be, and this young man is, probably the worst recruit in your class, or at least ranked that way, which suggests you're going to have a hard time getting on the court as a freshman. And then you know what they're doing the next year. Regardless of who they lose, they bring it in five more guys probably better than you or more talented you ranked higher than you. And so you can theoretically just get pushed further down the roster. Um, I've always, not always, but for a while now have thought um, the players ranked in this range who take a Kentucky or a Duke scholarship because it's the biggest offer as opposed to looking elsewhere for a better situation are are more often than not making a mistake. And I get it. It's Kentucky. It's Duke. They offer you. It's hard to turn down. But I think broadly speaking, as a prospect, you know, ranked 35 to 150, you are probably going to be better off trying to be one of the top two recruits in somebody's recruiting class as opposed to the fourth or fifth or sixth best recruit in a bigger school's recruiting class. Cause you know, if you're ranked anywhere in this range, probably your entire life, you've done nothing but play heavy minutes and been, been one of, if not the best player on your team, suddenly you're at a place like Kentucky Duke. You're surrounded by a bunch of guys that are, you know, simply more talented than you. And for the first time in your life, you find yourself more likely than not sitting on the bench and watching. And that's, that's how you lead to uh, disappointment, frustration, and then the transfer portal. Yep. The, the only name that, that came to mind uh, was Willie Colley-Stein, who was like 43rd. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can go down the list. I mean, Derek Willis was sub 100, didn't really make an impact. Dominique Hawkins, 192 in his class. Like, 
basically, if you're not a top 40 guy, the chances of you making an impact at Kentucky pretty pretty slim. So um, I'm rooting for him. Obviously, I, this is a great chance for him uh, to to play, and I I actually think at Kentucky next season, like he could end up being someone they rely on, and at least on some level, just because he is really good on defense and does have the link that I don't think anyone else on that Kentucky roster has. That being said, uh, you know, the history of, of guys who are ranked in this range going to Kentucky, as you mentioned, uh, not particularly great. So we'll yeah, see. But, but Willie Colley Stein, I'm glad you pointed that is an obvious example mm-hmm. to the contrary. Um, he did make an impact and was, you know, drafted and, you know, played in the NBA. And so we got more than a decade of recruiting classes. I guess that bottom line it like this, more than a decade of recruiting classes at Kentucky under John Calipari and, the, the one maybe one guy who yeah. was who was ranked you know 39th or lower in his high school class who actually made an impact at Kentucky after signing with Kentucky at a high school that's not a that's not a great track record but hopefully um Yagana Kingsley Onyenso can uh can be an, an exception to what seems to be the rule on Kwame Evans. I think you covered it. Top 10 prospect, five-star guy, you know, Dana Altman, I think that's five or no six, five-star prospects in the past seven recruiting classes. Yep. Uh, read that in, in David Cobb's story uh, like you did. Um, and then Chris Johnson, I, I think only notable in any sort of big headline way, because uh, obviously Bill Self and Curtis Townsend um, were not out on the road in July. And this just sort of underlines that, you can still recruit without being quote allowed to recruit or evaluate on the road. Um, you know, being present for prospects games on the grassroots circuit is very important because they notice when you're not there, but when what they, but, but they notice when you're the reason it matters when they, they notice that you're not there is because they know you could have been there. Like I remember several years ago now, uh, DJ Jeffries was committed to Kentucky and then subsequently decommitted and went to Memphis after Penny Hardaway was hired. Now, I, I think probably did all that because, um, you know, he played on the grassroots circuit for Penny, had a relationship, opportunity, a lot of stuff went into that. But what DJ said when he decommitted among the reasons, and I should rephrase, I don't know if he actually said it. I just know this is true. This is something that he said privately, whether he said it publicly or not, um, is that he noticed his last game in Las Vegas, which was his last grassroots game ever. And nobody from Kentucky was there. And he noticed that. (laughs) And it was like they could have been here, but they weren't. And that bothered him to some degree. But the difference between that and like Bill Self not being at your games this July is that all he's got to do is pick up the phone and say, hey, Lee, you know I would be there if I could. Right. I just – I'm not allowed, you know, because we're going through this thing. Mm-hmm. But you're our priority. I, if I could have been there, I'd have been at every minute of every game you play. You've got an, an actual explanation for not being there as opposed to I just went to see somebody else while you were playing. So I'm not going to pretend or insist that Bill and Curtis not being on the road in July – didn't matter to some degree. I assume that it did. If nothing else, you don't get to put your eyes on live recruits over and over again, the way other staffs are doing it. But I did not think it would be the type of thing that leads to Kansas being unable to recruit. 
I, right. I assume that Kansas would still be able to get to get prospects. And Chris Johnson committing uh, this week, ranked thirtieth in the class of two thousand twenty three, is an example of of them being able to do that. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. I guess I think the bigger question is probably at what level is Kansas going to be able to recruit uh, with with the NCAA kind of clouding over the program. And hopefully, you know, kind of, I think if you're Kansas, you probably hope the decision comes pretty soon on, on that because you can kind of get it out of the way. You, you know what you're facing right now. There's so much uncertainty that it's hard to sell guys. You know, if, you, if you're a five-star guy who's going to be a one and done and you don't know if Kansas is going to be eligible for the postseason, like what, what are you doing? Like it, there's, there's not the, the lack of certainty there, I think, is probably going to scare some some prospects away. But this is this is a good addition for, Cert- for Kansas. Certainly, um, it, it plays a role, and other staffs, in some cases, are using it against them. That's just mm-hmm. that's just the way these things work. Uh, although, if I were um, recruiting for Kansas, one of the things I'd be telling class of two thousand twenty three guys like Chris Johnson is, you're not enrolling until summer two thousand twenty three. Right. You're not playing for us until the 2023-24 season. Uh, your first NCAA tournament is going to be the 2024 NCAA tournament. And our punishment's going to be behind us by then. It just is. We're going to be punished later this year. We don't think we're going to get a postseason ban. But even if we do, it's not going to be multiple years. The worst case scenario for us it, it and I, I do believe this is true is that Bill Self is going to be suspended for part of the this upcoming season, and that Kansas would be um, banned from the 2023 postseason. I don't think we're looking. I'm not even sure we're looking at a at a one year postseason ban. Yeah. But but I I I'd be shocked at this point, given everything we know about how these things are being handled now. If if it was a multi-year postseason ban, so I think you can honestly tell Chris Johnson. I don't think you could honestly tell class of 2022 prospects this, or even 2021 prospects this. But I think you can honestly tell class of 2023 prospects, if you're the Kansas staff, that they don't have anything to really worry about as it pertains to that. Because if we're punished with a postseason ban. That is almost certainly going to be the 2023 NCAA tournament, not the 2024. Yeah. I, I, and and I, 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 I'm certain on on in their own words, Bill and Curtis and Norm Roberts and everybody who recruits for the Jayhawks is is making that point or or a similar point. I don't. Uh, I, we don't normally take questions um, from the uh, YouTube uh, chat. But I, I I will indulge myself this time and take a question uh, from Kevin B, who says he needs uh, my take on the Mets trade li- deadline or lack oh, thereof. Yeah. F- incredibly frustrating. <laughs> incredibly frustrating. Having one of the off to one of the greatest starts in franchise history. You've got a legitimate, like totally reasonable World Series hopes. And you don't go out and do anything at the trade deadline that that seems meaningful. And while the Padres are doing everything they could possibly do, and now you might have to end up going through them. Beyond that, like this is the window. I don't care about prospects. I don't care about prospects for five years from now. You got Max Scherzer. 
still operating at a high level right now, but he's, you don't know how long that's going to last. Jacob deGrom can opt out of his contract after this season. You don't know if he, you're going to be able to resign him. Push all in right now. Like, I wish they would have done anything they had to do to get a Juan Soto. Shoho, Shohei Otani was uh, uh, reportedly available. Like, blow the Angels away and try to push all in right now because there is no guarantee after this season that you will have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom on the same staff. And obviously, given his history, there's no guarantee deGrom is going to be healthy. Like right now in this moment, as of last night, DeGrom's healthy, Scherzer's healthy, and you're leading the NLEs. Go for it. Uh, Go get Wilson Contreras. You've got got, uh, James McCann can't hit and can't stay healthy. Tomas Nito, sure he's a nice guy, below average big league catcher. Wilson Contreras is available. Go get him. I was I was actually frustrated and disappointed. Doesn't mean that I can't. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I, I I can't stay optimistic, but I would have liked to seen them give up prospects and young players to actually improve this team and go for it right now. The Padres are going for it right now. We're worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow, I wish the Mets would have done that, but they Mets going to Mets. What are you going to do? I thought that was over with with this new owner, new regime. But <laughs> yesterday felt felt like the the it's good old days. it felt like it felt like what it used to feel like under the will ponds but maybe tomorrow tomorrow will be a better day you ready to get DeGrom, out of here degrom looked good though right yeah he, was great. Yeah, yeah he went, went five Ooh. innings gave up one on run he was great looked great touch 102 in the first inning he was great and so if he stays healthy and max stays healthy they're gonna have a shot against anybody trot those guys out whether it's a three-game wild card series or you know a seven game series like if you got those two guys at the top of your rotation healthy yeah. uh, you you got a shot but they could have improved their odds at the trade deadline and they opted against it of course but, but we'll we'll be okay i hope Let's go, Mets. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. While you're over there, five stars. Leave a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. And we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.